Welcome to Therapy with Millennials, a podcast where we take our late night talks, aka our own therapy sessions, and put them on record for you to hear. We take a looser definition of therapy, so if you seek professional help, please do so. Our main goal and hope is that in sharing our stories, we will relieve some of your tension and you will relate to us. So join us on this journey. Please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners find us and join this listenership and helps us know how we can get better. So talk back to us. Hello and welcome to Therapy with Millennials. I'm one of your hosts, Malia, and I'm joined by one of my best friends, Brittany Payne. How you doing, Brittany? As always, doing great. We're going to record for you guys another great episode in our Respectful Disagreement series. So what do we have up for today, Malia? So this is technically our last installment of Respectful Disagreement. You guys have been so awesome. I was actually checking the numbers, the this series against our other series that we've done, and you guys have really engaged with it. So we're, first of all, very thankful for you guys engaging with the podcast, sharing, and letting us know, know how we were doing. But our last interview is actually going to be with a friend of both of ours. Her name is Vashti. And we're going to be talking about interracial dating, marriage, and what does support look like. So, Vashti, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. Hello, hello. Here. So, let's see. A little bit about me. Mm-hmm. I am the oldest daughter of my parents. Uh, I have one younger sibling. We get along great. I have a great relationship with him. Born and raised in Montgomery. Stayed in Montgomery. Went to college. Met my future husband at college. Professionally, I am a teacher. And, you know, after saying that, God bless all teachers. We need it right now. Please. Bless up. Please. Like prayers, you guys. Um, But no, I, I enjoy my job. Definitely has exposed me to a lot of things. Oh, but I am here because we are here to talk about interracial support, and I am Asian. I'm Asian American, and I am married to a white guy. So well, let's talk about it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> My first question for you is: When you were dating, did you have any? Did you prep yourself at all for like? What if I date outside of my race? Okay, well, growing up, I was really sheltered. So when I first thought about dating somebody, I didn't really look at it that way. Hmm. And I wasn't really exposed to it until after we had already started. Hmm. So I didn't really put much thought into it when we first got together. I was just like, okay, I really like this guy. He really likes me. Let's give it a shot. Hmm. And then, you know, here in Montgomery, I guess it's really diverse here. So we hadn't really gotten as much like looks and talk about when we're here. But when we go back home sometimes to his hometown, it's a completely different Hmm. environment. And then that's when I started, the first time he took me to his hometown was when I kind of first started seeing like, okay, this is different. And I got to start really thinking about this Mm -hmm. type of thing. So other than that, I can't really say I've given it thought per se. Like I hadn't really think thought about it until that had come up. When that came up, what were your, your thoughts or how did you deal with? Well, I mean, I knew that I started seeing that like people were going to like, look at us differently. I mean, there were times when we would go out with my family. And I remember one time specifically, we were at a restaurant and we were like going to get seated. And the woman did not know that a Nick was part of our party. And she just assumed so because he was not Asian. Mm. That was one of the first times. And then there were like other times, like whenever we go out on trips and stuff. I remember right after Nick and I got married and my last name changed and some guy knocked on the door. He was, it was like for some political campaign Mm. and he immediately saw Nick's last name and just assumed he saw me and then he just assumed he had the wrong house. Oh, wow. I was like, no, actually I am Miss So-and-so. So, so, you know, and then you could tell he kind of was like super embarrassed. I'm like, well, that's what you get for assuming. (laughs) 
But then another part of me is like, I don't think people have been raised to see it any other way. Like you think about all the things people are exposed to in society now. Mm. And I feel like they're only now in today's world starting to kind of get those ideals. Like up until now, like we've dealt with racial issues for years and years and years. And it wasn't until like very, very recently that the world started being really exposed to it. So do you actually feel like that's been the case? I've been having those types of conversations a lot recently of for a lot of minorities, they feel like, oh, everything's finally coming to light and like be excited for us and be on our side that, you know, there are still changes that need to be made. There's still stuff going on. And on the other side, and this, there's some minority people in that group too, but mostly Caucasian or white or Irish, light-skinned backgrounds are mm-hmm. saying, that is not the current world we're living in. Why are you living in the past? So where do you feel like you fall in that? I feel like I fall in the middle. Okay. Because, Same. you know, I'm married into a white family that when I hear their side of it, I understand it and I get it. And I'm like, okay, I understand why you see it this way. And then when I hear the minority side of it, I'm like, oh, no, that, that's also a good point. And that's also true. So I feel like I'm kind of somewhere in the middle because, I mean, I'm Indian. So, and I, I don't know if this is bad or good to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, I'm not right. I'm not white. I'm not black. Mm-hmm. So when that, that racial issue that comes up in America between black and white comes up, I feel like I'm stuck in the middle. Mm-hmm. because that makes sense the white community doesn't fully think that i understand them the black community doesn't fully think i understand them so when mm-hmm. i try to adhere to each side they don't think that my opinion or side of it or experience with it even matters when i've lived here my whole life and i've kind of experienced a lot of it simply because i'm asian mm-hmm. so i feel like it's its own little category sometimes but mm-hmm. i also kind of feel like it shouldn't even be broken up like that because when people see that nick and i or together and stuff, they're like, oh, wow, that's really cool that y'all can do that. And I'm like, you do realize interracial marriage is not like a super rare thing, right? Like, mm. so mm. I, I also believe it's also because people have not been made aware of. Recently, talking about kind of being in the middle of things, I remember, so we've had a lot of Black Lives Matters and different movements going on and a lot of issues. That's the timeline that we're in now of people being killed on the streets and a lot of times by cops, things like that, a lot of that media And then, you know, recently we had some stuff about Asian hate Mm -hmm. and um, some killings and some shootings there. And I remember some people starting to compare, trying to compare and contrast. And I'm like, at the end of the day, like, I understand that there's black history here in America, slavery. And it's not necessarily here, maybe with Asian American Asians, like Asians history of enslavement comes from other countries yeah i don't know what your thoughts on that are well my thought is really at the end of the day somebody is dying Mm -hmm. for a cause that's not worth it right you know people are dying for things that are minute you know people are killing people over stupid things and you know when people want to compare like the two i'm sitting here like okay black people are being killed for unfair reasons but that doesn't change the fact like okay I understand you're upset about this, but let us also be upset that Asian people are dealing with hate as well, because at the end of the day, race shouldn't come into it. That's the whole point we're trying to make with a lot of these arguments. And I feel like when they do try to make those kinds of statements and like some people want to say that, oh, well, black lives or, you know, all the hate that black people are getting are different is different than all the hate Asian people are getting. I'm like, yes, okay, the history in the background, like you just said, is different. 
But at the end of the day, that does not change that both sides are experiencing hate on some level. The result is the same. And you would think that that in itself would be enough to bring these people together to help resolve these issues. But for some Mm -hmm. reason, I just see it driving people farther and farther apart. The conversations that I'm overhearing about that is also, I don't think that African American community and Asian communities have have always had good blood between them. I've been listening to a lot of other podcasts and YouTube channels and other people who have opinions on the matter about how, you know, those two communities have never really come together Mm -hmm. or don't come together often. Yeah. And it's typically those communities against Caucasian communities. And it's never those two communities joining together, together, being together and then saying, you know, we're not going to accept this treatment. It's like separate and apart. Yeah. And so I think that's also influencing it. But as- what's what's funny to me about it, though, is that when you take away the history behind why these people are experiencing what they're experiencing, at the end of the day, both sides of it, I mean, Black, African-Americans and Asians, when you look at it, they actually are, to some extent, experiencing similar things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel like they just want to bring all this background and all this history into it to, you know, I mean, I get it. Like, it's, it's important to know why what's happening to you is happening. I get it. But at the same time, you know, if you really want to make a change and you want to better a society for something like this, I feel like it's important to come together with people who are also experiencing the same thing, regardless of their background, regardless of why they're experiencing, especially regardless of race. So kind of going off of that. I have a question. Some say racism is done and over with. Would you agree? No. Why? As much as I, especially, I mean, you know, a lot of people across the board, I mean, I don't, I feel like you're going to find a very, very small percentage of people in the world that will say, yeah, I still want racism to be a thing. Like, you're not going to hear that. (laughs) And if you do, then you shouldn't. But I don't feel like, I feel like there are things as a society that we can do to make it better. And, you know, especially in a public workspace and things like that, like, okay, all this discrimination we still see happening in the workplace and in society and in public atmospheres, like, yes, those are things that definitely should not happen. But on a personal level, racism is never really going to go away. Hmm. There are always going to be people out there, no matter what you try to do, that are always going to be against what you're fighting for. True. True, true, true. And people are stubborn. Hmm. And, you know, you can do whatever you can to convince them, but a lot of, one of the big mottos that Nick and I kind of live by is a lead by example. Sitting there and yelling at them and screaming with them and arguing with them is not going to change their mind. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what a lot of media and society is just trying to get people to do. Who can yell louder. And argue, yeah, who can, le- yeah, it's pretty much like a yelling match. Like, okay, which one of us can yell louder and whichever one can is the winner of this argument. No, I mean, regardless of anything, I mean, the Bible has also said multiple times that peace is never really going to be achieved. Mm-hmm. You know, the world, there are always going to be people in the world that are against you that are against what you believe in, and so on. And I feel like, you know, racism is grouped into that. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, you're Perfect always going... Peace is yeah, not technically the ideal. No. It's more peace. No, and it's also like Christians working together to achieve a goal. But I feel like what Christians are fighting against, do I believe racism is one of those things? Absolutely. Do mm-hmm. I think it's ever going to go away? No, because it's the world. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at it on a biblical standpoint, it's us fighting against the world. And racism is a part of it. And it's never really going to go away as much as we want it to. Yeah, in some ways, I really do. There's a lot of me and my will to fight that gives up on a personal level. Like if it's only yeah. me, I can stand up against someone coming to me. Because unless you're really in my life for a, a longer period of time, you don't really matter that all that much. 
personally, like, I don't care. But on the larger scale of, like, you were saying with work, like, I would love it for it to be a standard that braids, twists, headscarves, hijabs, stuff like that were okay and even allowed in the workplace. And it wasn't a thing of, oh, this girl's wearing her hijab and she's unprofessional. Or this girl is wearing a headscarf. She's unprofessional. I feel like for me, the fight comes, I'm fighting for other people. Yeah. Not necessarily, it's just against me. Yeah, I can agree with that. So how do your friends and family support your relationship? This is going to be a fun one, you guys. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, I mean, across the board, I can definitely say that right when Nick and I first met, there were a large group of people who were really supportive of us. Friend-wise, I mean, I did have a couple friends who... Once I started getting to know Nick and once they realized I was serious about them and they realized they didn't necessarily click with him, I guess. And I don't know if it was a race thing or because they didn't get the whole interracial thing or, you know, I never really found out the reason why. All I know is that once I started dating Nick, some of these people no longer were in my life. Across the board, I can definitely say that my friends were really supportive. My family, you know, when I first started showing interest in him, my parents were a little concerned because they they knew how Nick felt regarding race. Mm Mm-hmm. But I will, I do remember my parents being concerned about like, okay, well, what about his parents? Like, are Mm. they going to be concerned that he's dating an Asian American girl? Like, are they going to be okay with it? Are they going to say things underneath the rug sometimes that are going to be taken the wrong way? Like, Mm. are they going to accept you? And I mean, that was a legitimate concern that they had. Like, this was when I first started showing interest. I don't even think Nick and I had started dating yet. Hmm. but we were already talking about like me possibly meeting his parents and that's when a lot of the concerns of my parents came in but all it took was just like you know meeting them you know giving them a chance and then you know seeing that okay it's really not like that with his family I mean they were super accepting of me probably more than some of my other friends were (laughs) so I mean it worked out all well in the end like Nick's family has been super supportive my family has been super supportive across the board and I think like it got to a point where each one of us was like I know there were times where my dad told me he's like you've really got to stop pestering that boy about a ring because he thought he was scared I was going to drive it away (laughs) he was really scared he's like you're going to get him so upset about this that he's going to like leave you or something and he was he was more concerned about like Nick and that whole scenario than he was for me which is hilarious so that just I think that really proved in the end like how much they really wanted to make sure he stayed in my life So I wanted to ask, so one of the arguments that my church had when I was younger, um, a church that I don't attend anymore, we've discussed this, was that dating someone of a different race, um, they wouldn't say that it was wrong, but they would give you like, you know, reasons why maybe it wouldn't work or whatever. And it would, it would always tie back to culture. And they would talk about the culture of some, like someone's culture, the African-American culture is different than the white culture. But I argue that your nurturing culture, like however you grow up being raised, that's a culture that could cause issues. Because like when you have, when you're in a marriage, you know, it's like, you know, I fold my laundry this way. You fold your laundry that way. We cook. I cook with underwear. How dare you? (laughs) I cook with, I cook with measurements. I just do whatever, you know, things like that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. She's, she's no. setting me up. It's actually kind of funny that you mentioned that because there are times like since Nick and I have gotten married, I realized like he was trying to do the laundry the other day and 
you know, Nick, you know, that let the Lord help the boy because <laughs> I'm sitting here like he's pulling random pieces of clothing out. I'm like, Nick, no, I set those on hand wash. I do those one way. I do that one way. You can't wash that with that. And, you know, and he's just sitting there like staring at me wide eyed. He's like, since when did laundry become such a complex thing? <laughs> and he's like, he just dropped everything. He's like, okay, you do it. <laughs> and I mean, I didn't get angry about it or anything and neither did he, but I guess he just realized like, since we've been married, it's like these certain tasks, when we like something a certain way and when we do something a certain way, it's also kind of been accepted by the other. Like, okay, the way I grew up, I mean, my mom treated laundry like it was some type of complex science, like more important than chemistry or like <laughs> like the science of life. It was like, okay, if you don't wash your laundry a certain way, like everything's going to be wrong. So, <laughs> my mom was like that too. Yeah. Wow. So, hey, it's it's just those uh, yeah. colored parents, man. Like, <laughs> African-American mom, Asian-American mom, yep. like, yo. <laughs> but I mean, and then, you know, when I started meeting Nick, Nick is like, I was like, so how do you do the laundry? He's like, I just throw it all in the wash and then I just I have wash a, it. My roommate does that. And I have a small panic attack. Every, I just have I'm to sitting do there like, oh my God, oh my God, that's going to shrink. Oh my God, that's going to change colors. Oh my God, it's not going to look the same. I'm like, that's my favorite shirt. And so, I mean, once we got married, it just kind of became this thing where it's like, okay, at first it was like we were divvying up tasks and then it became this like, okay, I have this set way of how I do laundry. Are you okay with it? And he's like, yeah, as long as my clothes get washed. Hmm. And then he's like, okay, I have this set way of how I want everything in the, like the lawn and like a lot of the yard work and a lot of the aesthetics of the house to look, are you okay with that? I'm like, yeah, as long as hmm. I get to live in this house. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it's different with me and Nick on a certain level because we're not hard people to please. Yeah. But, you know, when it came to like accepting how each other's parents worked, it was a little different because once we got married, you know, my parents, I mean, we also live in town with my parents. His parents mm -hmm. live three hours away. So there's also a difference there. My parents are like, we see them a lot more. Mm -hmm. So I guess to him, it's like, okay, they're always more involved, but I'm just like, okay, I don't think you understand how Asian parents were They're like because mm -hmm. my parents are from the caribbean so a lot of people just say okay they're indian parents they're pretty much indian parents mm. and you know my mom like i call my mom every day nick doesn't do that with his parents mm. and that's normal to him if i had to do that i don't know if that would be normal to me so mm. i mean there are also these cultural things that he's kind of had to like realize like that's just how her parents grew up mm -hmm. you know those family units were a lot closer after children were married versus here in America, like, okay, children get married and sometimes you don't hear from your parents for like months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I wondered because, you know, I think because you're both Christian, that also adds, that also adds more uh, like-mindedness together. You know, I think that what I know about you in the few years that I've known you is like, I don't know much about how tied you are to Indian culture, but I know that your, your parents are, like you you were as you said born and raised in Montgomery and your parents were not right so or they they are more tied maybe to their indian culture so that's where i was going with you know i think you guys have a like mindedness too like we and of course your family as well cuz they're christian too mm -hmm. so i think when it comes down to it like the whole cultural differences doesn't really have a standing in the argument because if you come from the same faith, it shouldn't be that much of a, you know, if you yeah, learn I mean, how to respectfully disagree or to 
you know, have these arguments and come to a conclusion. But no, I really like how you worded that because I couldn't disagree with that at all because that is like, you hit the nail on the head right there. Because when it came down to like where we stand as a couple, I mean, you know, the uh, same, like we said at our wedding, like base of our like marriage, I mean, God is the center of our marriage. Mm. And we always make sure that that stays true. I mean, we quote Bible verses to each other sometimes every day. Like if we get into small little arguments, we're sitting there like, okay, remember, we don't go to bed angry at each other. And we're quoting <laughs> Ephesians all the time. And that was one of the Ephesians is banging. Yeah. I don't care what nobody else says. And I'm like sitting there, because I mean, it's small little stupid things that we'll like get a little frustrated about. And I'll sit there and I mean, I'm quoting, you know who, like, you don't need to forget Jesus. <laughs> yes. But I mean, it's We true, love like, my roommate here. <laughs> it always reminds me to never forget Jesus and I can't, I can't I mean we'll like sit there and like quote things to each other and especially during COVID like we really leaned on our faith a lot because it was just the two of us stuck in this house for god knows how long mm. and it, it really is the, like the center and when it came down to like cultural differences you're right it doesn't matter how we were raised differently at the same time we we're both raised in the church it became easy to accept differences and like you know learn how each other lived growing up when you look at it like that. It kind of reminds me of a conversation that me and Brittany had uh, during season one about confidence, not the subject matter, but the way we kind of talked about it, about how, you know, if we're putting God as the foundation mm -hmm. and then what are my thoughts, what are other people's thoughts, kind of stacking it like that versus how well, we typically stack things like how other people view me, how I think of myself, and then God is somewhere off in the stratosphere. And it's like, how do you stack, like, which belief is the most important? Well, I know growing up, one of the common things, that, I mean, I grew up in Christian schools and private schools. So, you know, as some would like to say, they really shoved Christ down your throat. But <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, it was like, they always made sure that when we were like doing those little like stacks or those stacking exercises in Bible class, when you're talking about, okay, how do you like rank what's more important to you? It would always be God comes first and you are supposed to come last. Mm -hmm. And I guess my mind, like growing up with that notion, my mind was kind of hard. Like it was hard for me in my mind to picture it any other way. So I've always kind of thought of it like that, I guess. Okay, so my last question is, what is a dream you have in the future for interracial couples? Because I feel like, I feel like for me, when, when the whole Black Lives Matters movement, you know, came to be, and then like, hashtag kind of in it, because I'm brown, wanting to be a support to interracial couples and kind of be watchful for things that could happen, mm -hmm. like those assumptions that happen in the restaurant, like, it's small stuff like that, but it's small stuff like that that we have learned to kind of just accept. Mm -hmm. Like people being watchful of you in stores. And yeah. so you, you and so you make yourself quote unquote less suspicious and people not assuming that you're with who you're with. I mean, there are t plenty of times where, you know, even if it's not dealing with people at restaurants and like actually having to actively speak to somebody when you're out in public. I mean, I have noticed people still giving me and Nick like side glances sometimes. And I guess I see it probably more than he does, especially when you're like in those public atmospheres though. And when we're in his hometown, I guess he may not look for it as much as I do, but I feel like I look for it more when we're not at home mm -hmm. because I feel comfortable where I am. Mm -hmm. And maybe he doesn't look for it there because he feels comfortable where he is. Mm -hmm. But one thing I would like people is just like one, one, I guess, dream or aspiration that I would have is that people do become more aware 
of it and more self-aware. Like, don't always just make the assumption based off of skin color. I know it's it's really hard for people to do that, you know, in their minds. It's like, okay, I know that you're not that, like, a racist type, you know, you're mm. not a racist. And, you know, but your mind, I mean, with the way society has melded everything. Mm. Quick you know, deduction. Your mind just instantly does this little quick deduction, just like you said, and that's the first place your mind goes. Mm. So one dream that I would have is that, you know, not that just people become self-aware, but society also helps kind of bring more awareness to it. Mm. And I know that there's a lot going on in the world right now that it's kind of hard to touch on all the issues people are dealing with right now. And there are plenty of more issues, especially right now in our lives and in the world, especially on the other side of the world right now, that are of greater, more importance because people are actually dying. You know, I mean, how hard is it to just kind of like casually remind people like, oh, interracial couples are a thing. Mm -hmm. And they're not as rare as everybody seems to think they are. Mm. <laughs> is there anything specifically that we as your friends, me and Brittany, can do to be supportive of you in no. your relationship? I mean, you guys have been probably the most two most supportive friends <laughs> I've had. I will definitely say, and I don't I don't mean this in a rude way to like any any person or anything, but like out of all of my friends, I've only maybe had like you two and like maybe one other person truly be like actively supportive of my relationship with Nick. Even mm. though, you know, you two aren't as close to him as mm. some of my other friends might be. Like, if I have to put Nick first one night, that's fine. Mm. But I'm also try I also try to make an active effort to make sure my friends know that, like, just because I'm married and just because, you know, my life is a smorgasbord right now with being a teacher, that I'm still going to try and actively make time for people. And I, I think that was a fear a lot of my friends had. One, right after I started dating Nick, and I think it was escalated even more for some people right after we got engaged. Mm -hmm. Because I just assumed that I wouldn't have any time to spend with them anymore. Or I wouldn't want to spend time with them anymore. Mm. And I feel like it was only because, like, a lot of people thought that because of, like, all of the emotions surrounding the wedding. Like, my parents were letting me go, and mm -hmm. all of this, like, traditional... Like, the traditional stuff that everybody says and, you know, cries over at weddings. Mm -hmm. But... I've always tried, and I don't, I, I don't know if I'm doing a great job. I don't necessarily think I'm doing, like, a great, great job. But I feel like I am trying to make active efforts to let my friends know, like, hey, my life is crazy, but I still want to spend time with you. Oh, no, you do sure. a great job. For you sure. do a great job. Okay. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Because, I mean, I have some married friends that I don't see, <laughs> like, anymore. I mean, <laughs> and, I mean, like, I have one of my best friends is married, and... I mean, when she got married, we still see each other, but I feel like neither of us, and I guess it's because we're both married. Yeah. So it's a little different versus my friend, me and my friends who aren't married. Right. But regardless of that, I mean, you guys still work. You're still just as busy as I am, if not busier. And, um, but I feel like when it came, when it comes down to it, there has to be that two way street. Like just because I'm making myself available I feel like your my friends also has to like you know they meet have you. to be willing and they have right. to be willing mm -hmm. to meet me in the middle, mm -hmm. and I feel like some friends that I've tried to extend that olive branch to it's like okay well if that wasn't work for them then they're done, yeah they don't try to kind of compromise or set something up where mm -hmm. you two have been completely different, and I will always continue to say that you two have probably been the most supportive friends I've had since I've gotten married. <laughs> All right, well, Vashi, thank you so much for joining us for this thank episode. You. Thank you, guys. I'm waving. <laughs> you can't see it. <laughs> I want to say thank you again to our listenership. 
Thank you for listening. Remember to share our podcast, go on to Instagram, Facebook, check out what's going on. And yeah, this is concluding our Respectful Disagreement series. I hope you guys have enjoyed. Make sure to let us know in the comments what you thought um, and hit us with those questions or other topics you want to hear about. Cece, we appreciate you guys so much. And thanks again to Vashti for agreeing to be on the podcast. We might invite her for another episode. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. We love you guys. Bye. Have a good weekend. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Therapy with Millennials. To keep up to date on our episodes, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Come follow us on Instagram at Therapy with Millennials or Twitter at T with Millennial, no S. Have any suggestions for the show or want to get in contact with us? Email us at twithmillennials at gmail.com. Can't wait to hear from you next time.